if you do get to speak, my best advice is don't start it off with, see here, it's like this. That's probably a, best, a bad way to start your speech. <laughs> Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. Hello and welcome to Meet the Pressers. I'm Matt Mallory and this is my esteemed co-host, Clint Macro. And we're here about trigger pressers. We do a little bit of occasional gun reviews, blow stuff up. We talk about politics and faith, which is usually taboo in the industry, but hey, you know, no options, right? Anyway, we've got an awesome guest today and Clint's going to introduce her and take it away, Clint. We have a special guest today, Mary Callison. She was involved with the uh, Million Moms Against Gun Control and now she's uh, quite involved with the DC Project. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Why don't you give us a, you know, the 10,000-foot the view of your background and what got you into pro-gun activism? Sure. So basically, it was right after Newtown when Obama had come out and, and paraded children across the stage saying, you know, we're going to get rid of guns and this is for the children and uh, we're taking it away and we're going to, you know, register everything. Uh, my husband and I really started to look into um, purchasing as many different firearms and, and things that we could come up with that would be great for home defense and for carry. Um, I think right at that point, Illinois had just gotten concealed carry. I think it was 2013. So it was kind of, we started to really delve into that. Um, and I just happened one day to kind of go on the internet and I was looking for, you know, pro-gun things, trying to get myself educated, trying to find other women that felt the way that I did. And I happened to stumble across 1 million moms against gun control. And I thought, okay, this is me. You know, I, I the, the less laws on that, you know, it's our constitutional right to carry. Um, so I had uh, messaged the founder, which was Heather Marchese at the time, and uh, we got to talking and I started getting involved kind of at the Illinois, trying to go to our grassroots meetings here um, and basically just travel and try to get the word out to women that about the importance of being able to uh, keep our firearms and to be able to defend ourselves in situations. And before, um, during all that, you know, you, you understood the importance of it, but not until my own sister was violently attacked in um, our own family home, August 29th of 2015, um, is when it really uh, set in the importance of women, especially women, to be able to protect themselves um, and, and carry a firearm. Um, she ended up being stabbed 17 times. She was beaten to the point of her orbital socket, blown out. Um, her face, her nose was broken, and then he uh, sexually assaulted her in that home, and it was all within minutes. Um, and, and just two weeks prior to that, we kind of talked about guns and going gun shopping, and you should probably, you know, get your concealed carry and all this, and, and then two weeks later that happened, and that really was the starting point of me getting uh, a lot more serious about 
traveling, telling women, as many women as I could, about the importance of carrying guns and all that. And that's how I ended up meeting Diana, who's at NRA. Um, and we got to talking, a mutual friend of ours had said, Diana, you need to meet this girl and you need to hear her sister's story. And that's how I got involved with the DC project. And then, awesome. you know, from there, it kind of spiraled into obviously traveling and DC and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And in your sister, how is her, how is she? So it, it took a long time. Um, let's see, we're going on, that was 15. So we're going on five years um, this August, um, actually the end of this month. And it was on my mom's birthday. So we'll never forget it. Um, but she, she took a while to really recover to kind of gain um, trust and going out with people and, and groups and everything. Um, she purchased a, well, she got her first dog. So she got a big old German shepherd named, I named him nice. Trigger Wesson. <laughs> so that's his name. That's and awesome. uh, great German shepherd is her companion. She's really, um, she's grown. She finally purchased a firearm, I think last year and, and, and learning to use it even more, even though we'd go shooting, you know, in the past, um, these were her steps to finally get that mentality right to carry, to take her safety seriously. And then she is now an advocate as well. She's joined the DC project. She goes to DC with us and shares her story. So she still fights a lot of demons. Um, she still has those, you know, there's nightmares. And I think all of us kind of have that as we think through what happened, but she's doing 10,000 times better than obviously that day. That takes an amazing amount of courage. Not yeah. For that. Yeah. Uh, too often we see that people get involved with their own personal self-defense after some type of dynamic right. critical incident or some type right. of assault. Did that, did that attacker go to jail? Yes. And so this is the crazy part. She is so incredibly, we talk about situational awareness and like, uh, you know, recognizing details and all this kind of stuff, even though he basically, it, it was unbelievable what I saw in that emergency room. He basically destroyed her. Um, she remembered every single detail about this guy, like down to the year of the guy's car. And wow. it was like insane. I had to call the media and be like, hey, your details are wrong. I'm literally getting from my sister what this guy, you know, what they did. They caught him four days later heading back to Indiana on, I think, an unrelated warrant. I forgot what it was, but um, he was a bad dude. He, he, had a, he already had a record. We didn't find out a lot until we went to court um, at his sentencing. Um, but yeah, they caught him. He's in jail. He's serving a 68-year prison sentence, which obviously for you know, it, it, nothing ever seems like enough. Um, a right. fellow Leo wife's sister was stabbed to death in Elgin uh, two years prior to my own sister, and the guy got 50 years. So that actually worried me when I heard his sentence. And knowing my sister survived, I was afraid the court system would be a little more, a little too lenient on him. Yeah. But DuPage County, fantastic. They they threw every possible felony, every possible um, thing they could at him to keep him behind bars. So that's, that's good to hear because too often yeah. the elected yeah. officials drop the ball when it comes to they those kind of things. And yeah. that's why so many criminals are out there in the street because they were already in custody and some elected right. official just kind of let them go. That's Cook County. We're, my parents' house where they're at, I think they're two miles from the Cook County line. I'm like, thank God you're in du DuPage because wow. it would have been, it would have been horrible. It would have been a bad I don't think you would have gotten all that time. It would have been probably like a slap on the wrist type of thing. Like, well, she survived, so he didn't really try to kill her, you know. Well, we, <laughs> no. we, can we can certainly assume that it would have been a much different outcome. I think oh, that's, yeah. that's fair oh, yeah. to say. And Definitely. that's something that a lot of people don't recognize as far as gun owners. Right. You know, yeah. if we are involved in any type of dynamic critical incident, that legal aftermath that we're sure to f f uh, fight 
or right. you know, try to protect ourselves from, those outcomes are going to be very different based upon the politics of where it took place. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That, that, and I, I, I think back to that day and I'm like, I, I actually, and again, this is where that turning point, that day of where I became more serious about the way that I'm carrying, where I'm carrying, mm-hmm. um, all those things. I pulled out of my driveway that morning and it was, again, we were on my mom's birthday. We were headed to my grandma's house to celebrate, pulled out of my driveway. I was living in Joliet at the time stopped in the middle of the road. I'm like, Oh man, I don't have my gun with me. And it was like, you know, that you kind of think about it. You're like, eh, I'm going so-and-so it's safe. You know, my uncle's going, he's an officer too. My husband will be there eventually. He's an officer. You know, it's like, we're all good. And then I literally, it was a rainy day. I literally drove past their road as it was happening. Tell my boys to say, Hey, hi to grandma's water tower. Not knowing that my sister's literally down the street fighting for her life. If I had stopped there that day, I don't know how I would have, what I would have done. I, I, there's no way I could have stopped it at least in, um, with my own strength or, you know, with something I had, I don't know if I could have helped. So I, that's what crosses my mind. Every time I leave my house, like, do I have my firearm with me? Do I have, you know, such and such, what, where am I going? You know, you try to think about that Carrie all the time. I'm like, if women, if women saw what I saw when we went to that emergency room and I waited till she was cleaned up, I, I think I was so angry that I wasn't able to stop it. And I was right there. Um, I couldn't see her till she was cleaned up, but when I walked into that emergency room and I saw what, what this, what evil had done to my sister and what a firearm could have most likely in her situation stopped, mm-hmm. every woman would have wanted a gun. Every, everybody that would have seen her face. And I carry her picture around, um, even just from the three, I think three days later, if, if women saw that I might, like, I think women would be signing up left and right for learning how to shoot and understanding firearms better because it just, it changes you. It it makes you like, this is what real evil does. I have seen it. We have a tool to protect us. Even pepper spray would be beneficial. Anything. anything. Yeah. And she fought. Yeah. She fought um, in her mind, you know, cause we're both, we're all kind of like that, that law. uh, We watch too many law shows and everything else. Or, you know, it's like, get the DNA. You know, she goes, she literally, um, pulled out some of his weave, I guess, because they found it in the kitchen, um, and was scratching him as best she can. And in her mind, it was get any DNA and things possible under your fingernails. If I don't survive this, I've got to have something to catch this guy so he doesn't right. do it again. You know, that was her their thinking. But she tried. She she fought as best she could. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, women, if you don't have a firearm, you got to learn how to do it with a non non firearm self defense. So we push right. that as well. There's... Anything you got, you got to fight. There's uh, officers that I've trained and I've worked with that have that literally say they don't carry off off the job. It's it's less common now with everything yeah. going on, especially with the defund the police and all the you know yeah. the stuff going on with law enforcement. But you know some of the uh, brothers and sisters that I work with have said to me, I don't carry it. I, I have it for the job. I don't you know why do I need it after? And it's changed. Thank God it's changed some. Yeah. But but I can just uh, I've seen videos of officers not carrying and you know they end up getting you know getting got and it's, right. it's you know right. that time and there, there had been times I, I even uh you know admit that there had been times in the past where my 45 and the, my hip was just a little too heavy and I was you know what right. I'm not going to carry it today I'm right. just going to this house or that place and going to the store quick and I put it in the safe and lock it up and right. and uh, that's one of my pushes to tell people I'd rather have somebody have a 22 on them than nothing yes but a nine yeah. millimeter is a good gun. You're right in the middle there where it's not going to be too yep. heavy or too light. It's going to have enough stopping power for a human that, right. you know, a nine is, is, is a good middle, middle of the road or you know, definitely a good. Fantastic uh, option. <laughs> Although yeah. I go, we have a, we have a 40 as well. We got a couple, but uh, I go, when I couldn't find nine millimeter, at least I could find 40. So it was something to have on hand, you know, especially yeah. if you're practicing and all that, but 
yeah, anything. I, I'm like, change your mindset. That's, mm -hmm. that's the big thing is you have to be in the, the mindset to care. You have to be in the mindset to understand it. And I go, even after, you know how like after 9-11, everybody was like gung-ho, pro-America, yeah. all that, after yeah. a big event. It's the same thing in my sister's case. We started to put together self-defense um, uh, programs and everything. We have uh, great friends that have a dojo, and he's very – um, they're, they're pro-gun and they do a lot of things with self-defense, but what firearms, non-firearms self-defense and women at the first couple of weeks were like, yes. And then after that, it's like, well, you know, it happened to her. So it most likely won't happen to me. I'm going, well, um, it happened to my sister. It happened to our friend's family, uh, daughter that was murdered just a couple miles up the road. Our 14 year old daughter interrupted a home invasion mm -hmm. and it happened to my fellow Leo wife's sister murdered in Elgin two years prior to my sister. So I'm like, just because it happened to her does not guarantee it's not going to happen right. to you. Right. So you got to figure this out and be prepared. <laughs> the analogy, the analogy that I always use is seatbelt. I always, in my classes, yeah. I'll say, you know, how many of you guys put your seatbelt on while you're getting in a car accident? Anybody, right. anybody? Right. No. I mean, you, you don't right. know when it's going to happen. You, you do that right. to prepare in case it happens. You prepare for the work. I mean, you don't get to pick the time and a place that an attack is going to happen. Right. So you, you sure better be prepared for that. And you, know, you have to be you, you incredibly disciplined to maintain that, yeah. that lifestyle. There have been several times I've been 10 miles down the road and it's like, oh right. crap, I forgot my gun. Yeah. We turn around and my wife's like, yep. really? I'm like, yes, <laughs> really? And, you and it's don't just know. Like, you don't, you, you don't it can know. It be one of those odd things. Yeah. And, you know, if you listen to like Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, he talks about how denial kills us many times. Yes. I cannot imagine surviving a violent encounter somehow yep. knowing that I left my gun at home. Yep. And seeing my wife or my family being victimized, knowing yep. that I left my gun at home that day. And that yeah. thought yeah. is yeah. motivation. It weighs heavy on you. It really does. And I think, you know, now I, I you, you, you get a little weary. I think, um, you know, you, you're preaching the choir sometimes like in our gun world, it's kind of like, you're always talking to people within the gun world and, and it's like preaching the choir and, and you know, and then you just get, you get weary about it and you just keep trying, but I got to keep remembering that it's like today, literally somewhere, another woman is going to continue to fight for her life or somebody's going to lose it. I have those tools. I have those, the, you know, the friends within this world that could help them. How do we help them? And I think that's kind of what keeps me going, even on like the days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. You know, do I, can I, you know, can I go to this rally again? You know, it's like, mm -hmm. no, you got to remember exactly that evil is there. doesn't take a break. And, right. and another woman today is going to fight like what my sister did. I don't want anybody else to go through that. I don't want to see, you know, what anybody just deal with what we dealt with. It was, it was rough. It was rough to see that. So so you alluded to it a little bit. I, I think I'm assuming that they didn't know each other at all. It was just a random nope. break in Correct. and she was there. Yep. yep. So that he, um, basically what the guy was from Indiana mm -hmm. and he had come to get lost. Now he was just released from prison. He was prison fresh. Thank you to Obama's, um, good boy, you know, get out of jail early cause you're a good boy. And he came to the house, he pulled in, he asked her for some money. She was outside literally getting ready to leave. And she's like, I don't have any money. You know, you got to go. And he pulled out. She went inside and he pulled back in and she'd already closed the door, locked the door and was looking for a phone. Like her car was running. All her stuff was in there. He came to the door and knocked on it. You know, she said she looked out the window, saw the wipers on his car going and, and saw him like casing, but you know, like the, the nervous hands and everything. And um, she said he knocked on the door. And she opened, they have a window on the one side of the door. She didn't open the door. She opened the window and asked, what do you want? 
And he's like, I need a phone. I got to call my mama or something like that. And she's like, I'm not giving you a phone. Go down the street to this, you know, to the Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. Use their phone. And who doesn't have a phone these days? Right. And uh, literally two kicks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Two kicks and he was through the door. And it was not the door jam that busted. It was the lock that exploded. And she goes, I just remember like seeing his hands coming through the door and she's trying to push on it as best she could. And now you're talking to a guy. I mean, he was, he's a, the first time we saw him in court, um, I think it was a month later, the uh, arraignment or whatnot. He's a, was a very large, very large guy. And he had, you know, prison fresh. I'm talking like, that's all he did was probably pump iron in there. He was, I'm like, oh, how you stop, you know, you survived that. But um, yeah, she said it happened. It's within seconds. It's within seconds. And she just kept fighting throughout the whole house. He took her upstairs. He sexually assaulted her up there, brought her back down and basically said, um, he told the court, like, if he had knocked her out, you know, he wouldn't, she wouldn't remember him and he could try to steal the money or whatever. He kept stabbing her when she wouldn't give him money and uh, basically just left her there in the kitchen to die. Told the courts he wasn't trying to kill her. I'm like, okay, you stabbed her 17 times. You're not trying to kill her. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, so Jeez. she got out. We don't know how. She, um, I asked if there's like footsteps. I'm like, did she like get carried out or something? Cause there's no way. Um, I, I walked it Wednesday. I think that cleaning crew kind of come through and clean stuff up. And I walked the house, um, cause we'd been at the hospital the whole time. So we kind of went back to take a shower and it was very odd. Um, but the amount of just, it, it was insanity, but she got out, she ran to the neighbor's house. Um, the neighbor thought she hit her head on the pool, something like that. And they called 911. And the other thing that people don't realize is, um, if you can't defend yourself and you're in this situation like she was in, it could take forever for an ambulance to yeah. get to you. Yeah. Um, not this, this, not just the cops. It's yeah. it's that ambulance, the life saving. Yeah, yeah, you could bleed out depending on where they stab. You know, you're stabbed or whatnot or shot. You could bleed out within minutes. You know, yeah. so um, thank God it took them forever. They called, I think the twice. You know, twice. They live on a dead end street, and so the ambulance couldn't come down obviously until the scene is cleared. So they're waiting for the police to clear the scene. And, you know, the neighbors are like, she's going to die, you know, here she's bleeding and, and unrecognizable. And she knows our fire department guys very well. We all know our our fire department there and and a lot of friends on that. And they didn't recognize her, which was, it's just, it was, it was crazy. So people need to realize again, not only the cops won't get there fast enough, but if you're not able to defend yourself, you may not survive because you're going to bleed out on the scene. Well, that that Um, whole thought process on, on having a fire extinguisher. You have a fire extinguisher in the house you right. know, so that you can put out a fire before the prepared, fire department yeah. gets there, right? You're not, it's yeah. a tool that can save a life just like a gun right. is, right? You're not expected right. to be a firefighter. You're not expected to be a cop, right. but both right. of those are tools, a fire, a fire extinguisher and a gun are tools that you yep. can use to, to thwart that impending harm prior to exactly. first responders getting there. Well, that's, that's an amazing motivational story, certainly. Yeah, it is. uh, God bless your sister for continuing on, uh, having a quality of life and advocating, you know, personal defense and empowering other women to take control of their lives and become their own first responder. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing to watch her tell that story. And she was in court and faced him when she gave her testimony on the stand too. And I'm just, you know, I'm the, the big sister and all like, oh my gosh. And then to watch her, we went to uh last last year was her first time in dc and she went with us and was you know i'm watching her interact with our legislators and everything and share the story and it's just it's very powerful i go i'm just kind of like the messenger i have you know some you know connections to help people and this Mm -hmm. but i'm like mimi it's your story that that keeps me going to try to help people and and watching you do it it's just it's it's amazing and i don't know 
how more women, you know, hearing that would, would be turned off to getting the training they need to, you know, possess a firearm and, and take their safety seriously and the responsibility that it's not an officer, not somebody else's responsibility. It's your responsibility to defend yourself and, and stop that. So I don't know, but she's doing great. <laughs> I'm very awesome. proud of her. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Million uh, Moms Against Gun Control and DC Project has a footprint in our nation's capital as far as, uh, you know, interacting and educating the uh, elected officials there. You're in a very reasonably anti-friend or anti-gun state in Illinois. Yeah. Have you been doing a lot of work there at, at the state capitol with trying to change things in Illinois? Right now, uh, the big thing is our FOID fight. Mm. Um, they, because of COVID, they've given the police the... Uh, the leeway to be able to halt or at least lessen getting cards out and, and licenses out, you know, fast because they're of the, the, the virus and everything shut down. Um, so I think there's a lot. Just to, to clarify, just the, FOID, to the FOID card yeah. is for any firearm, correct? It's not just a hand. Correct. So the FOID card is so that you can buy a firearm and that you can possess it and you can buy ammunition. Can't then on top of that, you have to have a concealed carry license right. in order to carry your firearm outside the house or on you or whatnot in your respective areas. Like you can't do it on public transportation in Chicago. You can't do it in Cook County Forest Preserves. Um, there's a whole other onslaught of rules. Sure. Um, but yeah, basically we have to have two licenses in the state of Illinois in order to practice our right. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the the really interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand is that Illinois used to be you couldn't have a gun. You couldn't could not have a pistol license. It was, it was black on the map. And then because it went to the Supreme Court, Supreme Court ruled that that was unconstitutional and they opened it. But the, the funny thing is, and this is how politicians work, and this is what everybody should be aware of, is that they made the price so high mm -hmm. that an average person is just going to say, it's not worth the money. I can't afford that. I don't want to spend it. For an in-state, for us to pay for it, it's $150 plus tax. So it's still pretty high. Whatever. It's like 153 whatever. Um, you know, on top of the FOID card, which is 10 Now, the fight is they're trying to make it. Our FOID card is 10 bucks for 10 years. Um, they're trying to lessen it. Kathleen Willis was for $50 a FOID card for only five years. So, like, make it more expensive. Then you are pricing out anyone that like some of the minorities in the, yeah. the areas such as Chicago that they do need to be yep. able to defend themselves and they're pricing them out of it. They can't afford to do it. And then they'll right. become a felon if they do. Right. So now, it's, a, it's, it's horrible. Comparing that to New York. Now that, that 150 is just for the, the uh, county fees, correct? Or the state fees. It's the state, right. It's the concealed carry license handgun fee, fee. so there's still 16 hours of range time Correct. which yeah. is not free right and then there's so yeah you add into it it's going to be some money it's it depends on the class you take right um you know they range it depends like i know like 75 to 300 a, a range of depending on mm -hmm. where you're going to take your your classes at and yep. it's like eight hours of um like law and all that you know for the illinois law uh, case studies and then eight hours of range time the other stuff other some other things and then yeah. you have to qualify as well so then yeah. you've got to go to the range and you've got to be able to qualify at you know three different distances mm -hmm. so it is it's it's time put a lot of it's hoops expensive. Yes. yeah yeah so, yeah. It's, so it's, it's cost it's cost prohibitive to a lot of people and actually that's part of why my sister did not get her firearm earlier when we discussed it before um, her attack because we we sat there on we literally sat there two weeks prior on my parents steps the one she was dragged upstairs through 
And we sat there and said, Hey, let's go gun shopping. Let's get you training. Let's go get our, you know, you need your concealed carry. Um, but it was cost prohibitive. She was still at home. She was still paying off, you know, college and everything well, else. That, that narrative has to be pushed because those yeah. legislators that pushed that agenda are the Correct. reason he was victimized. Yep. Yeah, they need to yep. or one of the reasons. Cost for sure. prohibitive and that will kill people. Thanks. They are literally killing people because they cannot defend themselves in any manner that they choose, which should be, we should have the right to defend ourselves with a firearm. And and it is, it's, it's causing a lot of problems. So hopefully I'm not an attorney, obviously, and I haven't filed any suits, but I'm hoping that that becomes, that starts to become, um, you know, more of a thing they go after them for that as well. Yeah, so I would, I would I definitely hope. look and see how many other examples there are like that, because right. that that is, be. as you said, that's killing people, that's putting people yeah. at yep. risk. Yeah. And I know Rhonda Ezell is our, our fellow DC Project sister, and obviously she's got, her case is always mentioned, um, but hopefully, you know, she's she has so many contacts with that. So hopefully, again, with her being um, in our state, with us working together, um, she's fantastic, by the way, and uh, Lori Blackwell and, and a few others within our state, and my sister, obviously, and hopefully, you know, we can start to work within our ISRA and kind of help them as that mom voice, that female voice with this and say, hey, you know, if this continues, you're going to continue killing people. You know, mm -hmm. we need to, this needs to change. We need, we need change. We need these fees. They got to be dropped or they got to be, you know, I think there's might be some other states that are a little more um, expensive than ours. So, uh, but still, we should not have to pay a fee for our right to carry. Yeah. <laughs> it's New, insanity. New York, New York City is pretty pretty expensive. It's like pretty three fifty. Okay. Okay. Up upstate, it's fifty dollars ish for the state fee, um, but okay. you pay pay it to the county. And then there's about a hundred dollar fingerprinting fee, fingerprint and photo, and then the classes. Some counties have classes, some don't, but the classes range from free to uh, twenty five dollars okay. if the sheriffs do it. Fifty bucks is what I charge in my most of the yeah. counties I teach it in. Yeah, yeah. Some are 100, 125 because they require like live fire, like Cortland County. Sure. In Pennsylvania. Sure. Literally ranges in your state. Okay. Pennsylvania's oh, yeah. 20 bucks in about 10 minutes and a yeah. background check, really? and that's it. And yeah. that is even a wow. governmental overreach, in my opinion. There's no, wow. no training requirement. I yeah. make a living training, and I'm absolutely against mandatory training for a I number know, of different I know. reasons. Dovetailing yeah. on your thought uh, about local statewide advocacy, just a bit of advice. You're talking about going down to the state capitol. Don't underestimate the power of setting up appointments at the local offices. Right. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. I, I have Because a, if um, you can get a steady stream of people showing up at the local offices right. and scheduling time, that actually may have more impact than just a lobby day or something sure, like that. Sure, sure. And that's no, something and that, that's, that's a lot a more point. affordable, too. Yes. Yeah. We With our offices, I think one of mine is about 25 minutes away, our rep's office. Um, that, that was another thing with the DC project jumping into that. This was, I have never done anything like this. Like I jumped in like kind of that. I, I wasn't within the gun world of the stuff. I wasn't an activist. It was like accidental activism and it just kind of springboarded from there. So I'm still learning, you know, you learn the governmental processes in, is insane itself, like learning what goes where and, and how it all works. And so, you know, going back, trying to do the DC model and the state level, I'm going, okay, wait, okay, we could do this. I can do this. I can talk to our legislators. You know, it's a little intimidating. It's yeah. it's um you really come out of your comfort zone. But I think that is um the neat thing about here is now getting more people involved in this process. I think we're so far from understanding our governmental process. We just assume it's just done, and we don't know it, and then we lose our republic. We lose things if we don't get involved. So my fear, you know, you get scared doing it because you're a little nervous talking to people. But then you have to understand, hey, if I don't do this, I'm not using what I was supposed to be doing in the first place, what our founders of this country were right. like, telling us we needed to be a part of. 
And so you got to like get past the fear, share with people, get them involved. And yeah, you're right. The local level, we should be get a, a relationship set up with our local representatives. And that's what I think Diana has really been trying to help us push and do. Um, and so, yeah, I get a little braver each time I call, you know, talk to them and, and contact them, but it's a little intimidating. Well, a couple <laughs> things to remember. A, they're just people. Yes. They're not gods. Yes. That's one thing. Exactly. Number two, exactly. there definitely are some people that are pretty level-headed and maybe they don't yes. know anything about firearms. You just right. give them a little bit of education. Yep. They're like, hey, that makes a lot of sense. The thing right. is, for people that are just getting into it, I always recommend team up with someone else and go yes. along with that person who wants to talk. Just having yeah. bodies in that room during sure. that meeting is very impactful. And then be different. the more you're yeah. around yeah. it and you hear it, you kind of kind of take over some of those some of those conversations yourself. But exactly. another thing is I we always we always kind of steer away from the really vehemently anti-gun people. Right. Go visit them too. Yes. Be a pain yeah. in their ass and get to understand and recognize their talking points. Yes. Because they all yes. play off of the same index cards. And yeah, we, we try in DC with go, that. Yeah. Once you know where they're going to go with their arguments and you can throw them off, they you don't got, know yes. once they're off script. Yeah. And I always look we, at it we this We try, way. I know. Yeah. If I go into an anti-gun anti legislator's office, I can't lose. Like, yeah. what's the worst? I'm yeah. not going to make them more anti-gun. And right, for any right. other reason, right. it, it gives me an opportunity to have another rep and get some of those butterflies out so that when I do get in front of someone who might go towards the, the light of liberty i've got some right. some uh you know some range time in so to speak yes yes <laughs> no we we tried that and obviously with illinois it's weird our obviously both of our sen our federal senators um they are both quite anti-gun and i know that Rhonda and Lori have tried in dc to be able to sit down with them when they're there um you it's hard to get it's hard to get appointments mm -hmm. with your representatives and senators if they are anti-gun you will always meet with their staff members which is not a bad thing mm -hmm. um because you do you hear their points um and you you do you start to understand where they're coming from how to how to talk to them how to do it in a non-threatening way that you can actually have a conversation um but yeah we, we keep trying I, the funny thing is illinois it's really a Republican or, or more conservative than people think. I think you hear Chicago and you think, oh my gosh, that state is, it's completely democratic. There is, you know, nothing. We actually have a quite a fight in our state right now, especially with the COVID stuff. Our representatives that are without, outside of Chicago are fantastic. And they are very pro-liberty, very pro-constitution, very, um, you know, conservative in terms of things. Even I think, our, I think we've got one Democrat representative towards the Iowa border. I've got to look again. Um, but it's actually a pretty conservative state, considering <laughs> Chicago just gives the rest of the state a really bad name. So if that could just become the 51st state, we'd be great. <laughs> well, I mean, with, with no electoral college in the states, right. it's the cities rule the roost. And you're they absolutely right. Just because someone has a D next to their name does not mean that they're going to be anti-gun no. or anti-liberty, although a lot of yeah. Ds are. I yeah. mean, that's certainly the case. But just because someone has an R next to their name either. Yeah. You got to change the rhetoric when it comes yeah. to how you're discussing gun owners, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of Democratic and a lot of liberal gun owners. And what I see, mm -hmm. especially in monitoring and um, doing our pages, is the way that pro-gun people will speak about certain demographics and stuff. And you have to understand, you'll start to alienate them even more. And then we are not coming together, at, yeah. you know, whatsoever. Agreed. So you have, you know, everybody's like, you're a Democrat, liberal, you're an anti-gun. Not necessarily. So you have to use the correct verbiage yeah. and, and stop 
alienating all these different groups. Work together on it, whether you're a liberal or a Democrat or Republican. Who the heck cares? But you got to come together on it. You know, the two way here. You know, all else be be damned at this point. You know, come together. You know, Harumph. so stop so, alienating people. So we know, try that, to preach a lot on that. You know, we're the way that you're speaking to those that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversations you have, it, it may change drastically if you just talk to them just as a human being don't put them in a category you know whatever they might be to stop labeling them just talk you know come to the understanding of whatnot and you know move on together so it goes the same it goes the same way with teaching you know with with because of the the riots and covid and everything we've had i've had an influx i know clint's had some too an influx of students and i've had a lot of students in the class that i normally wouldn't get in the class that are democrat liberal that were anti-gun prior and now they're actually thinking crap these rioters are coming from my house and they don't care if i got a d on my door or not so i you know in the class (laughs) i'm not going to be sitting there making you know funny jokes i used to make a joke about our former vice president crazy uncle joe standing out shooting in the night sky you know you don't want you don't want to shoot blindly into the night sky that's a bad that's bad advice and they should take his su degree away why i I stopped saying that because i know i've got some people in the class that are probably uh (laughs) going to be voting for uh biden supporters yeah (laughs) do biden my name is kim stolfer i'm president of firearms owners against crime i'm out here exercising my second amendment rights as i've done for the last 65 years the right to bear arms is a civil right not meant for negotiation as some politicians would have you believe So if you believe in the Second Amendment, you believe in individual liberties, please get involved now. Make sure your friends are registered to vote. Because on November 4th, if we don't do what we need to do, we're all going to pay the price. Yeah, could you tell everyone how to like get in touch with you and follow what you're doing and all that kind of stuff? So you can find, okay, so the DC Project is our big one. We're really trying to work, um, obviously, on that. So you can go to dcproject.info. Um, you can sign up through them. You can follow along. They're on Facebook as DC, the DC Project. Uh, One Million Moms. Ours is just um, One Million Moms Against Gun Control on Facebook or 1MMAGC.org. Well, we're definitely glad to have you on. It's been, it's been fun. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. There's a lot of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mantis. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click the little bell, come on Patreon, help support us that way, come to one of our classes, or host us, we can come to you and do one of our courses at your location. So until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers. 